0: Thank you all for being here today. Appreciate your generosity and helping the ministry. Uh, Everybody does a little. It goes a long, long way, right? Somebody asked me, uh, I saw that I had a suit on today, and they asked me, was I doing the funeral? And I said, no, but if you go, I'm ready. (laughs) So, uh, just so you know. And no, not all my good clothes were dirty. I actually uh, chose to wear this today. it's good to have you uh, today, uh, I, Rick. By the way, I want you to know because I know now that I know your deficit in sports. Uh, the World Cup, by the way, is being played today. I know you were aware of that, and I am pulling for Croatia. We, if there are any soccer fans out there, uh, there's what well, Mark. I knew Mark would be on board. Uh, Mark and I talk every now and then. Uh, I I told him, I won't say I prophesied it, but uh, I mentioned Croatia. To him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, of course he's an England fan, so he wasn't uh, thinking that was go- ever going to make. But so that probably conversation, you know, that related to about three of us in here. Uh, the rest, maybe of you, maybe you've been watching Wimbledon, which by the way was a great sporting event yesterday. If any of you, uh, got, I probably gathered a little bit more on the audience. I better just get to the Bible where it applies to everybody, because I'm seeing right now I'll lose you quick. Uh, I do want to say before I get into this lesson, you know, uh, I think it's easy in our families, easy in our marriages, easy uh, uh, in our church family to go uh, around and always just kind of practically do things together and sometimes overlook stuff. Look, I just want to verbally tell you that I I love you so much. I love this church family. You You have been such a blessing and are a blessing to me and my family. And I watch how you bless other people's lives. And I run into people uh, in town that has, that this church has helped. Or, or we have conversations after an assembly and someone says, you know, I'm brand new here and I can't believe the things that, 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 that the small group I was in did for me. And I can't believe when people rallied around me when when someone died in my family. Or I can't believe uh, the folks that showed up at the hospital. And all the things that go on out far outside an assembly that says... We're family, and uh, and so uh, I want us to always be conscious of that and be appreciative of that. And uh, we really we we say the word forever family a lot, but it really is a forever family. And I really hope you learn to get along with each other because uh, we're going to be together a long time. You know, uh, so uh, that that's a, that's an important thing, and that's a part of our own a part of our own growth and maturity as a church. Uh, We struggle together. We rejoice together. We learn together, and hopefully, we make an impact on the world together. So, uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter three. Now, that that particular introduction to a sermon is quite different than the introduction you're going to get in this particular text. Our our series is called "Rooted in the Spirit." But you really cannot be rooted in the Spirit if you, if you are not repentant in the heart to begin with. But so first I just want to read our text and then we'll have some introductory comments here. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. And John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? "...produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then?" the crowd asked. And John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should uh, share with one, the one uh, with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same." Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then the soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. What is this thing about the fruit of repentance? Now, later on, we're going to see John said a lot of other things in his sermon. He goes on to preach the good news of the kingdom. So he's going to have some good things to say about Jesus and about expecting Him and accepting Him and all those kinds of things. But can you imagine, you're gathering up. Here he is, this kind of a strange-looking dude, right? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, so he's, he's dressing weird, he's dressing strange, he's eating strange food, but he's preaching a strong message. And... As he gathers the congregation out out there in the desert, they've come to hear him, these Pharisees and tax collectors, all these people named soldiers. They're all gathered in this crowd. And they're hearing him preach. And the introduction to his sermon, as they've all gathered with anticipation, here's the prophet of God. Hadn't had one in a long time. Now here he is. What's he going to say? Can you imagine as they gathered around and they gave their ear and they got their attention and then all of a sudden his introductory remark is, "You bunch of snakes who told you to get to flee from the wrath of God and you're thinking, man this, this church doesn't sound too very loving to me I'm too kind. What do you mean you brood of vipers why, why would he start in such a seemingly rude or rough or challenging way. I think because John knew what existed among that crowd also exists among the crowds that we gather around to and probably even in this room right here. He understood that you can be religious and you can engage in religious activity but and not be engaged with God. And he got that. And he also knew that some of them, how they came about their beliefs. It's kind of like a... Uh, it's kind of like a paint job. You know, when you go to paint, I'm not a great painter. My wife's a great painter. I'm not, I'm not great at it. But, uh, but you know, you, you, you come to that and you, you see there's, there's these flaws. There's these cracks. There's these, there's these broken spots in our life and on that wall of our life. And we say, well, we, we found something good in religion. Let's just paint over that. Let's take religion. Let's paint over that. The problem is, when you do that, guess what happens? The paint starts what? Peeling off. It's going to come off. It's going to come off piece by piece. Why? Because you didn't knock the rough sides off. What it really needed was some sandpaper to begin with so that it could take and adapt and hold on to what's fixing to be put in its life. That's the way it is, I think, with us many, many times. It's that this idea of being religious without repentance is a false idea from the world. Now, we have kind of two sides of that. Now, hang with me today, okay? Because I'm kind of going pretty quick here. We have kind of two sides of that. We have the easy believism. That is, I just happen, I'm lonely, I'm unhappy, I'm I, I down in life a little bit. Someone says, church is your answer. Jesus is your answer. I go to church. It's easy. They ask it the they'll raise your hand, say a prayer. I do that. And all of a sudden, I've I, I just kind of became an easy believer. And, and, and it doesn't settle all those problems in my life. But but I'm thinking it's going to. Why? What happened? I'm trying to put a coat of paint without really taking off the rough edges. What has happened is I've not really examined my life and repented from the sins that were that have been in my life and that have brought me to death. And so what, what happens with us so many times that we want to make it easy for people to come to the Lord that we've done away with things like even having an invitation at places. They've done a, try, let's try to make it yeah, uh, user-friendly, so to speak, so that no one is confronted. But I'm telling you, my dear friend, me or you, neither one of us will come to Christ and be converted without first looking at our own sinfulness. There must be, there must be an examination of our own hearts. And so John starts this sermon out in a strong language of you bunch of uh, of vipers. Why? Because he knows what their answer is going to be. You see, one of their first needs that's going to have to happen is they're going to have to have some intention, intentionality about their humility. They're going to have to choose to be humble. Because here's what they do. They say, well, look, our father is Abraham. Well, you know, they try to pull this on Jesus over on chapter 8 of John. You know what he says? No, if you knew the Father, you would know me. And they're like, we don't know you. Our Father's Abraham. Jesus says, no, your Father's not Abraham. Your Father's Satan. The one that lies about everything. Thus, by the way, the reference to the brood of what? Snakes. That's their Father. You see, so many times we can't be... We can't be humble and see our own brokenness because what's blinding us is our own religious tradition. What's blinding us is our heritage. And someone says, Yeah, but my, I, I don't really have to make that many changes. Look, my grandfather uh, had to, held the shovel that broke ground that built this church building. My dad is a, was a strong deacon. And, and, and my great-grandfather was a preacher here. And all the lineage in the world will not take the place of Repentance. And so I appreciate roots that go deep in a community, and we have a lot of that right here, and that's great. I saw it at, at, at Beverly's dad's funeral uh, 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 at, for Jake Henry. So many people were impacted, and that family, particularly their own family, passing on the gospel down from generation. To, that's great roots, but look, those aren't lineage physical roots; those are spiritual roots passed on in a family. You see, there's a difference. I do not have certain rights here because I happen to be a part of a family that has been in this particular building over the years. That doesn't give me any rights. What, well, I don't have rights. If I'm claiming rights, I'm, a, I'm, I'm lacking humility already. Look, I can't claim Abraham as the head of my family and say somehow or another I'm connected to him, John the Baptist. I'm okay. I don't need your message. He says, no, you're exactly the one these needs your message. Your father's not Abraham. Your father is Satan. And you have failed to look at yourself. So humility is needed. Self-righteous, cleaned up people may go to hell if they don't acknowledge their need for God. And regret alone is not enough. So, did I just ease into the kingdom? Or have I really looked at my life and repented? That godly sorrow that takes me to my knees so that God can raise me up as Jesus becomes the Lord of my life. What an audience, John. That audience, it may be like you. You. You know, you, you may be sitting in here and you you might be, now you're hearing this, and you're like, man, I, I'm looking for a way out. Why did I sit in the middle of the pew today? You know? <laughs> I know that in people's past, there's been messages like John the Baptist. Flee the wrath. The fear of God is preached. Your sinfulness is preached. And we've had those backgrounds, and I understand that, and I kind of come from a a little bit of that kind of a background. And some of you have maybe have a different religious heritage that really nailed. It was kind of a hellfire and brimstone every Sunday all day long and they constantly made you look at your sins Till finally you got to be a teenager and you said, that's enough of that kind of business. I, there ain't no good news in that. I'm out of here. And you won't ever darken that door again because you think there's no hope there. But here's the problem. The problem with that kind of preaching consistently and that kind of church that existed, especially in legalism, what happened is it made the right diagnosis. That got the diagnosis right. I'm a sinner. It just didn't give me the cure. So the diagnosis is correct. I am lost in my sinfulness. And I cannot be saved by all my religious heritage or my religious activity, no matter what I do. I must humble myself before God. Fruit of repentance has an attitude of humility. Then there is the urgency that takes place. This extreme urgency. Look what he says. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I mean, when's the last time uh, 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 that you heard a sermon about the wrath of God and the branches being burned up and fire destroying? I mean, it's not something we preach on today. It's not something we announced that brings in people by the thousands. Oh, i got to go hear that. You know, I'm excited about getting condemned. You know, I mean, we don't hear that, right? Yet, yet we have a message here from John to a group of people that need to hear that. And I'm convinced we need to hear it too. And there is an urgency to this. And in my whole life, I've been thinking about people I've been trying to reach or I've wanting to talk to. And I understand the patience of loving someone into the kingdom and looking for opportunities to share. But I also understand, never doubt it. You can't just ease someone into the water of baptism or into the the body of Christ. There's not just any easy way to walk in. Here's what that develops. That develops the kind of church where someone will go and attend and become a member, and they may still live together in immorality. They may still uh, uh, practice an uh, unholy lifestyle, and it goes unchallenged because somehow or another they just walked in the door, and we didn't really want to confront them with their sin. And we need to confront ourselves with our own sins first, you see. But then we need to have an urgent, extreme urgency about us that says, I want people to get right with God before judgment comes. I have a friend who's been studying with a young man. and The young man basically so far says, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need what you're sharing. He refuses to go to church. He refuses to be religious. And he's in the middle of a battle of cancer. And he got the news last week to go on hospice. So my friend's talking to his friend. He's thinking, now, now, this will make him wake up. But you know what? He's like, you know, I've, I've lived a pretty good life. I think, I, I think I'll, I'll be okay with God. Now you talk about a difficult situation because you and I both know living a pretty good life is not what saves us. Only the grace of God saves us. And only God and that man will know his heart in the end. But until that end comes, we better have some urgency about making sure he understands who Jesus is and what he's done for them. That's the difference. When you live in situations of persecution, when you live in Iran or Iraq and and they're coming into their houses and they're killing your family, when you live in those situations, there tends to be more of an urgency and a commitment to follow God and stay the course, you know, because it's been tested and you've had to make that hard decision. With us, with all of our blessings and freedom, many times we're not challenged to have that kind of core commitment or even to look at our own life to make a change. And maybe sometimes we get we lose our urgency. Look, someone's lost. So you're the fireman and you're put on the high ladder and you 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 get lifted up to that fourth floor and the people can't get down. And there's a guy in his office and and you're telling him, "Come on, come on." And he's like, well, you know, I just want to do a couple more things. It's really not here yet, and I can, I've got a little more time. And you're saying, no, you need to get on the ladder. we got to get out of here. And he's like, no, no, it'll be okay. Just a little bit more. I mean, how urgent are you going to try to be? Because you know the destruction is coming his way. And he doesn't even realize it. Extreme urgency. I think, is needed among God's people once again to say, we don't know when God's coming. But until He does, we want to get the gospel message out to every person possible because they are lost without a Savior. And that ought to break our heart more than anything else. Knowing people are lost ought to break our hearts more. We ought to be more concerned about that than we are about the kind of services we have or about what time you attend or about a host of other things that happen in the religious world. Our concern and our heart must be for the lost. That's our DNA. That's why we're attached to the blood of Jesus is to get the blood of Jesus to other people because of the grace we've received. We've received. Can I get an amen? Amen. People need Jesus more than they need the next breath of fresh air. And the conversations we turn to in the midst of great need sure do seem minor once we examine clearly the need for Christ. Then there's this Intense practicality that takes place because of repentance. Three times they asked this question, What should we do? What should we do? What should we do? do?" Look at it. What should we do then? The crowd asked. Now he's going to answer them. He's going to give them something to do. And by the way, there's always something to do in response to Jesus. Jesus. And doing that is not about earning salvation. Doing that is about producing fruits of repentance that says we've made a change. See, repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of direction. So they're there. They get this. They hear the message and they say, well, what do we need to do? John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. The first thing he tells them in this practicing fruits of repentance, the first thing he tells them is exercise generosity. Exercise generosity. You recognize someone. And you recognize their need. And you recognize your blessing. Exercise generosity. Now, so let's go to the next slide up there. One more. Let's we'll, We dealt with that one. Let's go to the next one. Exercise integrity. They ask the same question again, what should we do? Now, this is the tax collectors. The first group of people has got a bunch of stuff, and they can help people, and... And the second group here is these tax collectors. Now, tax collectors didn't have too good a name, did they? Uh, I'm not sure they have a real good names today, but uh, back then they definitely had a bad take on, the, on terms of, of uh, the kind of life that they lived. And he says even the tax collectors, like you're surprised, even the tax collectors are here. They're gathered up here, and they, they, they came to be they came to be baptized there too. And they said they'd ask him. They said, well, teacher, what do we do? And he says, don't collect any more than you're required to. Basically, he doesn't say you have to quit your job. He says, start doing your job with integrity. You exercise integrity. All of a sudden, tax collector, owner of a building, rent house guy, he comes to collect rent. Miss Simon, where's your rent? Oh, here it is, the $75 I owe you. No, I only need 65 Why? Did, did my rent go down? Well, you know, it really all should have been 65 to begin with, but I've heard a message that changed my I've been taking some for myself, and I've, I've quit doing that. Really? Yeah, it's only going to be, Joe, get in here. Our rent's going down. Bring this guy inside, let's meet him. All of a sudden, when people start practicing fruits of repentance in the character of their life that's different than who they were before, people notice that. So not only the tax, but the soldiers were challenged too. And then these soldiers, look look at what look at what they have in the soldiers. Let's look at the next one. He says that these soldiers came, and you know what they would do? Sometimes they would, with their authority, they would lord it over people. They would force people to do things. They would extort things. They would lie about it. If you don't pay us more, we're going to tell them you did this. You'll go to jail. Those kinds of things. And now these soldiers that have heard this message, now their life has changed. And he tells them, no, you, you don't do that anymore. You don't extort people anymore. You don't accuse people falsely. You quit lying. And you be content with what you have. He doesn't tell them to quit soldiering. He tells them that in the life that they're living, go out now and be a person of unselfishness, a person of character, a person of integrity, a person of grace and kindness. And all of a sudden, when that one who had been rude to you all those days now comes and you start seeing something different, first you're like, okay, what's wrong with him? And then after you test it a while and you see that they consistently made a change in their life, you're like, okay, now I see it. This one, what, something happened to you. What happened? Guess what it creates? It creates opportunity to share the good news that changed your life. That's what fruits of repentance do. Fruits of repentance is not just about you being sorrowful and turning from. It's never just a turning from something. It's a turning from something and a turning to God. To where your walk in life is different now. And as you walk in life, people notice the difference and opportunities come about now for you to share the good news of what changed your heart and your life. And now this fruit is about faithfulness. You see, it's not that God is saying go be fruitful. The goal is not fruitfulness. The goal is faithfulness, and then my action of being faithful to, the, to God's commands. Fruit is seen, and people notice a difference. And opportunities come for the good news of the gospel. Look in Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty-one. In Acts chapter 20, 21, the Bible says, I had declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Belief without repentance, useless. Baptism without repentance, Useless. Acts 26, verse 20. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea, then to the Gentiles, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. And then the great commission that we seldom read in Luke chapter 24. Then He opened their minds so they could understand the Scripture. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all, all nations. You see, we cannot be rooted in the Spirit without repentance in our life. So this this boldness that John had that made him seem so rude and rough, he also had the other side of that coin when he preached the good news of Jesus, the one that was coming to save them from their sin. He gave them a a way out. He showed them where grace was found. And our preaching today must always contain a challenge to self-examination of my own life? Did I... Remember the old song we make fun of sometimes? Did I repent, fully repent, of my past sins? That's still a good question to ask. If you just kind of slipped into religion and nothing really changed in your life, If you just came here because you were lonely or because you were unhappy, this is a place for broken people. Never doubt it. But Jesus didn't die for your loneliness and he didn't die for your happiness. He died for our sinfulness. And that's every one of us. You see, sin doesn't make me a bad person. Sin makes me a lost person. And... Grace doesn't make me a better person. It makes me a saved person. So there's the initial examination of my life that I'm sorrowful and I turn. I want to turn from those sins and I, I repent. There's that initial repentance. And then there's the ongoing repentance that takes place as I mature and grow. And sometimes we fail to re-examine our lives. What's the Lord's Supper about? Look at my life. Look at my relationships. Examine my life. How many times in the Bible, in the New Testament, does the writers go back and say, Examine yourself. Look at your life. How many warnings out of Hebrews about, Be sure you don't have a bitter heart, that that causes uh, all kinds of things to come up that are bad. How many times does He cause uh, call us to actually walk a life of repentance? And look, this guy right here in the suit needs it as much or more than anybody in the pew. This is not about self-righteousness exclaiming the rightness of God. It's about have we missed getting the rough edges knocked off? Did we miss the sandpaper and ease into this thing? Or are we really repentant? not only turned from sin, but turned to God. So the boy's out there and he knows he's messed up. He's blown everything he has. He decides, look, I'll just go back home. Maybe my dad, he won't probably accept me, but maybe he'll just let me live like one of the workers in the barn. So he acknowledges his own sinfulness. He comes to his senses, the Bible says in Luke 15, and he starts to come home. And when he starts to come home, the Father is looking for him. And when he sees him, the Father, I love this picture, God goes running toward the Son to embrace him. Now before that ever happened, that son had to, the road he was walking, before it ever happened, that son had to turn around and walk back up the road toward the house. Repentance is a change of direction. And man, when he repented and came home, that father loved on him and celebrated and said, Let's have a big party because. My son that was what? Lost is now found. The one that was dead is now alive. We can't do anything but celebrate that. That's celebration time there when someone turns around their life and they repent and they come home to God. That's time for celebration. Now look, that's not the only problem that boy ever had in life. We don't get the rest of the story, but don't think for a minute he didn't have some more struggles down the road But He was in the right place to face him when He was at home with His Father. He had all the help He needed. Sometimes you and I try to hide the things in our life that really need to be exposed to the Father. He already knows them anyway, right? To help us walk in this thing called repentance. So you're going to hear a lot of lessons down the road about Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against these there's no such law. And all those are going to be growing things and maturing things. But if you ever wonder why you can't get any traction in your life in those areas of growth, take a little look back. It might be you never repented to begin with. The fruits of repentance have to exist for us to be rooted in the Spirit. Because the Spirit is about producing holiness in our life. And God is more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. And He's more concerned with our character than our likes and dislikes. And he's more concerned about our personal commitment than he is our previous mistakes. And he's more concerned about the direction of my heart than the perfection of my actions. God's grace is more than enough. But you'll never... You'll never enjoy it if you haven't repented. It's part of the process. It's the pricked heart does this and says, I want to live different. I want to live different. Well, aren't you glad you came to be called a bunch of snakes today? Well, we've all come out of the snake pit, right? We all tasted that poison that existed from the Father of all lies. The good news is, I love doing ministry with a bunch of people that understand the heart of repentance. And they're committed to walk down this road of faithfulness. It doesn't matter what comes our way. You know, there are people you know, their strength and their commitment that you say, okay, that guy, there's old Paul down there. I can go to war with him. There's Chad. I I I can go to war with him. There's Jace back there. I, hey, I can go to war with that guy. There's Robert back there. I know. Hey, look, I can go to war with him. Because you know the commitment and integrity of their life, it's seen in the fruit of their repentance. And by the way, 1 John says when you do those things, it helps you be more assured of your salvation. What's really funny now, we've gone so extreme and works can't say that we don't understand that works bring about a lot of assurance and confidence. This is how we know we're right because we keep His commandments. When we're keeping those commandments, it tells us we're on the right path. And that brings about confidence and assurance that we can have. So, I'll ask myself and you ask yourself in a moment of silence, what about Character of my life needs some repentance. Father, please forgive us for arguing over the tiny little unimportant things in life as we fail to see the most important things in your word and in your heart. Help us as a church to never lose our direction or our commitment to the gospel. I pray, Father, for myself and every brother and sister here as we take a fresh look at our own lives, that our own characters will become stronger and will be more like Jesus. And as those fruits of repentance are taking place, that they'll create opportunities for us to be urgent about sharing the gospel, always in a spirit of humility, because we know it's only by your grace that we're saved. Give us the boldness that we need to walk as Jesus walked. Give us clear vision. Help us to no longer believe the lies of Satan. Help us to believe the words of Jesus. There's no way to the Father except through Him. I'm grateful, Father, for the blood of Jesus that was shed for me, I was thinking about it during communion how I have no right to be celebrating this with this group of people and yet I can because of your grace. I'm thankful. I'm thankful you rescued me from those old lies and habits. I pray you continually clean me up through your word. I pray that you would bless us, Father, to be bold in sharing the good news. Help us, Father, to never give in to easy believism, that somehow or another you can just ease right into the church and not deal with your sinfulness. We want to help people in their brokenness, but we do them no favors, not challenging their lives with your word. Never let us do that without it challenging our own lives first. Let us be as Jesus was, full of grace and truth, and equally expose people to both. We're grateful that love covers a multitude of sins. We're thankful that the hope we have is steadfast and sure. And I pray for anyone in this room right here that's not named the name of Jesus as Lord, they'd do that today. If they don't do it right now, that you would bother them all day long and all night long till they feel an urgency to name the name of Jesus. And I pray that we will feel more urgent about those we know outside of Christ. That we'll get to them and share the good news of Jesus. May we, Father, walk different because of Christ. May we look different, speak different. We're not like the world. We can't be. We want to be more like Jesus than ever before. We pray this for our church. We pray this, Father, for our church wide around the world. I pray, Father, especially for those in tough situations and persecution, Father. There are a lot of those going on right now. I think of Esteban in, in Nicaragua and I think of those that the Missy shared with me about over in, in Israel and Bethlehem and those that I know in Afghanistan and and those that we were working with in Athens. There's so many people that are persecuted. Help us, Father, to always be conscious of them. Thank you for their commitment. And help us to always, Father, have an open heart and and lives and generosity toward people who need it and bless us in doing so father to keep the good news the heart of everything we do we pray father through the holy spirit with his help who expresses things we don't even know how to say sometimes and we're grateful but we do pray this father in the name of jesus with gratitude in our hearts and the church said amen love you If you have a need to come today, do so while we stand and while we sing.